Ocean Glimpses of you burning my eyes. The worship of heaven fills up the skies. You made it all. Said, Let there be.
COVID-19 made 2020 a really hard year. A challenging year. An isolating year. A tragic year for some. But we step now into Advent and our Christmas season, and we are reminded of a certain story. A story of a child born into turmoil and social unrest. Born into a family with less than most of us have. Born in a stable, a manger. The lowest of beginnings. For the King of Kings, this we know is a story of redemption. A story of a rescue mission for us on earth. The Prince of Peace has come to save mankind. The greatest story of all time. And yet we are all still colored by our own stories. Colored by our own experiences. And our own emotions. Our pathways. The enemy can seek to isolate us, especially in this tough year. We do have differences, but God did not intend for us isolation. God intends for unity with Christ at the center. Jesus came at Christmas to rescue us and to help build the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. A kingdom meant for all people. And a rescue mission meant for all stories. If we were to look closely, we could see that all colors bleed into one. Our stories are a part of his story. A kaleidoscope to share his light with the world. This is what was intended because God sees the beauty in our uniqueness and our unity. Whether you're six feet apart or behind a mask, let's come together. Let's worship and praise him as the shepherds did. Let's step into his ongoing story of redemption. And bring more along with this journey of faith. Let's celebrate the greatest story in history. And add ours to it. Good morning. It's good to see you all here today. I want to welcome you and those of you who are watching online. We welcome you as well this morning. So glad that you chose to worship with us during this Advent season. Uh, today, um, I want to ask maybe we could have a couple of our, our, oh, they actually have already done it. Good job. I couldn't tell from back there, but we have lit the uh, candles, um, the candles of hope and the candles of peace. And as we prepare for the coming of Jesus, we remember that he is our hope and he is our peace. From the prophet Isaiah, we read these words, For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And from the Gospel of John, these words are given for the day. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we pray that you will give us peace today. As we prepare for our Lord's birth, may the divisions that we may find within ourselves and even the divisions within our families, may they be peacefully resolved. May there be peace in our cities and in the countries around our world. And, and I pray, God, that you will help us to see the paths of peace in our lives and then give us the courage to follow you down those paths. Lord, let us remember that only you are the giver of lasting peace and that you are always with us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, church family. Just wanted to give you guys a rundown on your options for giving on the church website. Once you get to wlcchurch.com, you'll just click that Give link in the top menu bar. From there, you will click the big blue Give Now button. And from there, you'll be able to put in the amount and also choose which account it'll go into. From there, you'll be able to give it as a one-time offering or choose to give regularly. We thank you guys. We appreciate your giving to help this church thrive. Good morning, everyone. Let's stand and let's worship Jesus together this morning.
you guys just turn to each other and say hello, say good morning, good morning church at home, grab your coffee, we're getting ready to praise Jesus some more, we're so glad everyone's here this morning.
Amen. Such an exciting season. You guys can be seated. I am so, I love Christmas. Anybody else love Christmas? I love Christmas. It can be hard sometimes, but oh man, what a sweet time to sit and really think about what happened. Can you imagine what it was like? Can you imagine? I was just picturing this last night as I was drifting off to sleep and just kind of praying what those shepherds had to have experienced out in that field. And then when they went and saw Jesus, and then they went and told everybody. But you know what doesn't happen is we don't hear everybody rushing to the stable to see him. Nobody came. I wonder what their hearts were like where they didn't hear what those shepherds told them. They had to have been freaking out. <laughs> I know I would have, but can you imagine that they just missed it? Their hearts weren't ready, and they had been waiting for hundreds and hundreds of years for the Messiah to come, and they missed him. They still didn't know. And now, are we waiting again for him to come back? It's been thousands of years. Are our hearts ready? Are we excited like those shepherds? I am so ready. I have my suitcase packed and I leave it on my porch because I just want to make sure. <laughs> but I really am. I'm excited for him to come back. So we're riding on grace and people that don't know him yet, we need to tell them that's our job, church. Everybody needs Jesus. And I'm excited about it. But just think about what that night was like. Think about what it was like. And Pastor Matt read through all of the genealogy of Jesus last week. And they were waiting through all that genealogy. They were waiting for him to come. Every time a new person was born, they were waiting and teaching their kids about that. And then we just think back to when Mary had him. And when she looked into his eyes for the first time, did she really know what was going to happen? Did she know what was coming? And we know God prepared her, but still we're human. It's pretty remarkable, pretty miraculous to think back to those things. And I just sit and ponder that. Every year, Christmas is new for me. So we just are really excited to see what he's going to do next, because we know it's always going to happen in a beautiful way when God takes charge of it.
our heads, our wills, our money. We bow our fears, our failures, our frustrations, our frustrations and our frustrations. Father, if we're honest this morning, we live in a frustrating world. We are handcuffed at every turn. And we open our hands and our heart again. We make room for your will and not our will. We make room for your way and not our way. I'm reminded again at Christmas 
that we are not God, that we never would have planned it this way, you entering humanity. We would have done it way differently. So we're acknowledging again that you, God, do things way differently than we do. You work way differently. Your speed is way different. And we relent again. We give up and we surrender our will, our future, to you. We make room for you. You are writing a story in our lives and our families and our community in all of creation over all time. And we bow our knee to that today that you are God, that we never, ever have been. Thank you that you are a way better God than we are. We thank you for that today. And we all said...
Father, today, we leads us to ask you speak to our hearts in the silence. Lord, this morning we're making room for you. Today, God, we ask that you will speak to us. May it be as real for us today as it was 2,000 years ago for the Magi and the wise men and the shepherds and uh, for Mary and Joseph. Lord, may it be as real for us as we make room in our heart for you. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come together to worship you, to sing praises to you, to proclaim your glory throughout the land. And today, I thank you for your church here. God, I thank you for your leadership. I thank you for your direction. I thank you, God, that you are and still are here and are still to come, Lord. God, we thank you for being our everything. We worship you, Jesus, this Christmas. And together we say in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's good to see you all here today. So glad you're here with us. Glad you chose to worship with us. Again, thank you for joining us online. For those of you uh, who are at home, maybe even on the road, thank you for being with us. It was good to hear this week that the the Colorado government actually lifted, you know, the restrictions on mandating how many people can be allowed in a worship service. But uh, I want to remind you that's only for, yes, some people are clapping, but I want to remind you that's only for corporate worship services, funerals, weddings. If you were planning to have a dance party here this week, it's not going to work. And, uh, <laughs> um, but we are thankful for that ruling. But here's you know, something interesting that I just want to remind you of, and as we have our kids go ahead and be, be dismissed for Children's Church, I need you to remember, and you all already know this, I guarantee it when I share with you, that after 200 years of existence, actually more than 200 years, no court in the United States has been able to su successfully legislate one very important thing. Does anyone have an idea of what that might be? It's common sense. <laughs> I mean, they have never, in over 200 years, they've never been able to legislate common sense. That doesn't mean they don't try, though. You know that as of 2015 in Alaska, you are not allowed to push. There's a law. You're not allowed to push a moose out of a moving airplane just in case you didn't know. In Pensacola, Florida, any woman, which I think this is kind of interesting that they would just say women about this, but any woman, it says, this is the law, who dies after being electrocuted in a bathtub is subject to a fine. Now that's yeah, common sense right there. That'll stop them, right? In California, it's a law that vehicles without a driver can only go up to 60 miles an hour. Think about that for a moment. In Delaware, it's a law that ugly men cannot go into the city during daylight. But you can't legislate common sense. I still see a lot of ugly men in Delaware. 
In the state of Kansas, it's against the law to hunt whales. And in California, you can't pile more than six feet of horse manure on a street corner. But here's the thing I want to add to that. Fortunately for politicians, it's okay to pile it as high as you want to in any government office. <laughs> well, with that being said, we need to use our common sense. It can't be legislated. Amen? So this, this pandemic, it will pass, but we're not out of the woods yet. If you are feeling ill or you have a health concern or if you have someone at home that you know is vulnerable, use common sense. I believe in you. We're going to make it through this together. Something I think, you know, sometimes when we look back on the, the crazy things that we go through, not only in our government or within our homes and within our jobs, even maybe within the church, we will probably one day, I believe, sit at the great table at our father's mansion and look across the table at each other and just kind of laugh and think back and say, wasn't that silly? <laughs> well, isn't it good, though, to know that we serve a God who is in control? A God who is in control. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to begin at verse 1 there here in a bit. But we lit today the, the, the purple candle that's called the Bethlehem candle. It symbolizes Christ's manger. And sometimes uh, we don't look at that as if it represents that God is in control, that we are called to worship him. As a matter of fact, as many people thought of the Messiah being in a manger, they would think, well, man, what is God thinking? Is this real? How could this be God's plan? Is God really in control? here is he really know what he's doing and the answer of course is yes but today we may have those same questions when we look at how God is moving and acting and weaving his plan through our lives and I tell you that this morning simply to say this know this that God is in control he is worthy of our worship even when it doesn't make sense in this story that happened in the little town of Bethlehem that we see set here that was done such a good job of making this set and the decorations and we will find that the heart of our worship I believe today will be revealed by Jesus in Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 it begins with these words and and the words are stated that after Jesus was born in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east, they came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. I just want you to think about that for a moment. Here are the Magi from the East who are understood as being very wise and very, very well uh, suited for the position of being able to understand what is happening. They read the stars, so to speak, because they just, would, they just knew that when, when things looked different, they, they consistently were studying their movements and their patterns, and they knew something was different. They knew that this had to be a sign, and it was a sign from God, and so they went to the first place that they could think of. They went to the palace. Where is this king? The 
interesting thing is that as we read that, I want you to realize that they were speaking to the one who had been given the title King of the Jews. <laughs> We've come to worship him, they said. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And don't forget these words as we continue on today, but and all Jerusalem with him were disturbed. When he had called together all the people and all the chief, their chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. They knew exactly how, where he was supposed to be born because they knew the prophecy. This is, they said this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly. And he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when the star, uh, when they saw that star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down. They worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and they presented these gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And when Herod realized that he had been outwitted, by the Magi. He was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were under two years of age in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. As we read these words, it's almost hard to believe that there would be a man such as Herod who could be this this awful. He's He's the obvious villain in this story, and you might even ask me, if you could, why would you focus, why would the focus be on the character Herod today? Because through Herod, we understand, and we get an understanding and a realization that Jesus, even the Jesus who is so innocent and there in the manger, and he couldn't, I mean, there was, there was, there was nothing that he was doing to, to affect Herod right then and there. He still had the power to reveal where Herod's heart of worship was. You might not realize the history behind this man, Herod. He was, he was born literally, in a sense, I shouldn't say literally. He was born, though, uh, figuratively, with a silver spoon in his mouth. He was born into just greatness and he knew it, that's all he had ever known. His father had married into nobility from Petra, and because of his influence and his wealth and his father's support of the Roman occupation, he found himself favored by Julius Caesar, who appointed him the procurator of Judea. And, and then he even said to Herod's father, I'm going to give you and your family Roman citizenship. It was an honor that descended down 
that line. Herod took on many of the responsibilities of his father, and, and in 40 BC, though, the Parthians, they came and they invaded Palestine. In this great civil war, it broke out, and Herod, uh, with those with him and his family, they had to run, basically flee to Rome to try to you know, take care of uh, themselves first. And then while he was at Rome, the Roman authorities there proclaimed him king of the Jews. And then with that title, he was given an army. And he was told to go back. And you need to make sure that everyone there knows with your military power that you truly are the king of the Jews. So in the year 37 before Christ, at the age of 36, Herod became the unchallenged ruler of Judea. It was a position that he would maintain for 32 years and he was so driven to control everyone around him that he first took the step of divorcing his first wife and he married a Jew. She was a Hasmonean princess. And it was his way of saying, not only am I your king, but I'm solidifying this before you. And, and we already know this, but there was found, not only in scripture, but history tells us that he had a dark and cruel streak it was in his character, and it showed itself increasingly as he became older and older. And his mental instability, they said, was fed by this intrigue and deception that went on between his own family. And his own family, his own sister, made good on his natural ideas and suspicions and all that type of thing. And he, she even poisoned his mind against his wife. In the end, Herod had murdered his own wife. He murdered their two sons, her brother, her grandfather, and her mother. The reason for that, control, control. He altered his will three times and he finally disinherited and killed his firstborn son after that for fear of losing control. And, and this is the point in his life where we has this encounter with Jesus. The Magi, they came from, and they asked him where the king of the Jews is. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what he was thinking when he heard those words? Upon realizing that the Magi purposefully undermined his plan to, to worship Jesus, so to speak, <laughs> Herod ordered the slaying of the infants of Bethlehem. History calls it the massacre of the innocents. Herod went mad. He lost his mind after this happened. He actually even tried to commit suicide. It was unsuccessful. But soon after, he died. And some of us and, and some in history have asked this question, how could Herod, of all people, I mean, the one whom the, the, the Magi came to and asked him, where is this newborn king? How could he have missed the first Christmas? He was right there in the vicinity of Jesus. Archaeologists have found the place where 
He had his palace, and it was called Herodium. And, and if you've gone over Wilkerson Pass, if you can imagine just going over that pass, and you're looking over that great expanse uh, between the yourself and the mountains, and it's flat, but you'll see some hills in the midst of it. Well, if you can imagine just the landscape as flat as that all over, but those hills, there were high places, and he built his palace, Herodium, on top of one of those high hills. And it was said by the archaeologists that when he built his palace there, not only was it just amazing, I mean, he had water that had come in through, from aqueducts all the way from Jerusalem, and it was just an amazing place, a pool that was the size of two Olympic-sized pools with a garden in the middle of it. <laughs> all you can imagine up there on top of this very, very high place in this land, and they said you could actually see Bethlehem from his palace in the far, far distance. Jesus was born in the shadow of Herod's palace. How could he miss it? The Magi from the East told him about Jesus and when they asked, where is the king of the Jews? And you kind of imagine at that point he had to say, what? What are you talking about? I'm the king of the Jews. Did you not hear about me? Did you not see my military? Have you not heard about my palaces? That one I told you about was only one of four that he had across the land. Don't you know who I am? It was an insult to Herod. Herod found himself in the same predicament that we are when we are confronted with the fact that there is a king in the land, and we are not him. <laughs> we cannot serve two kings. Jesus made that very clear, that we cannot serve two masters. We will submit to one or the other. But the question for us and the question for Herod in that moment was, will you let go of your control? Will you go out seek and seek out this King of kings and Lord of lords? Will you submit to him? But Herod would not step down from the throne of his heart. He was the king of this place. There was no room for Jesus in his heart. There was no room in this place for him. And in that moment, Jesus revealed the worship focus of Herod's Heart, and we realize that it was all about himself. Herod was so full of himself that he couldn't make room for Jesus. Have you known anybody like that? Have you maybe been that person yourself that was so full of yourself that there was no room for Jesus? Herod missed Jesus the same way so many people miss the true reason for Christmas today. Herod could not see past himself to see Jesus. And, and, and one of the biggest ways that people miss Jesus at Christmas is by trying to be their own king, trying to rule their own life, trying to control everything within their orbit instead of trusting the one who holds our days in his hands. And like Herod, people's hearts are troubled by the fact that Jesus is the only king and that you are called to submit to him. And here's the thing, and here's a promise for you and for me. If we don't do it today, there's a day coming when every knee will bow 
and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of lords and King of kings. And we look forward to that day, but in great anticipation of that day, the thrill of our hope is to say, Jesus, you are the thrill right now in my heart. There is room for you today. Ah, but people, they can be troubled by bowing to the King of kings. People treat Christmas like it's their own birthday. Because it's hard to let go of ourselves. Upon hearing the news of the birth of King Jesus, it says in verse 3 that not only was Herod's heart disturbed, but all of Jerusalem's heart was disturbed as well with him. And you might ask, well, why, why was that? Because there was not room in Jerusalem for two kings. And everybody knew in Jerusalem about Herod, and they knew how he had come in there. He knew his military might, and so their hearts were troubled because when Jesus came into the vicinity, they knew, and he was proclaimed the king, they knew there was going to be a conflict. Oh, but it wouldn't be the conflict that they were expecting, but it's the conflict that all of us, myself and you, have all, have all experienced. It's the conflict of where our heart of worship is. People don't mind Jesus being in the vicinity as long as he is not ruler. <laughs> People don't want Jesus to interfere with their, their power, their plans, their ambitions, their money, their dreams. Herod was disturbed because there was not space. There wasn't room for two kings in his heart. There wasn't room for Jesus at all. And when the Magi came, his heart's reaction was what do you mean there is another king? I am in charge here. And one of the ways that we can miss Jesus is by trying to be, again, our own king, trying to rule our own life. So the takeaway here is to ask ourselves this question. And the question is simply this. Is Jesus just lying in the shadow of my palace? Or have I made room in my heart for him to make it his home? If Jesus is not king, if Jesus is not in charge, if Jesus is not the center of your worship, then I just want us to say right now, here and now, that you know, we need to make sure that we just call this a party, but don't call it Christmas. Here's the deal, is if Jesus is not king, if Jesus is not the focus of our worship, this is not Christmas, it's just a party. Because it's only Christmas in your heart when Jesus is in charge of your heart. It's only Christmas when Jesus is the focus of the heart of our worship. Why would we throw a birthday party and not invite the one whose birthday we're saying we're going to celebrate? Amen? The reason why we have much of the trouble that we have in our world today is because the king has been rejected. The reason government is in turmoil is because the king has been rejected. The reason that over 50% of our marriages in our country and even in our churches are laid to waste is because someone's heart rejected the king of kings. Today, when Jesus comes into the scene, he is still revealing where our heart of worship is, just as he did for Herod.
so many years ago. And if we, like Herod, say, Jesus, you, know, you can be in the vicinity. You can lie there in the, in the shadow of my palace, but you are not going to be the focus of my worship. That's the statement of the heart. And guess what? Chaos, confusion, weeping, division, it always follows where there is no room for Jesus. There is no peace. Oh, I mean, some of us have said, well, I, I thought that it was the innkeeper that had no room for Jesus. Oh, no, actually, the innkeeper did find a place for Jesus. It was Herod. And we see it all around as we see people rejecting the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus reveals where the heart of our worship is, and if he is not on the throne of your heart, you're really not celebrating Christmas. If someone believes that they're so good, so holier than thou, so perfect that they no longer need a Savior, they are not really celebrating Christmas. Jesus is still revealing the focus our worship and when we celebrate christmas we as his people are revealing that jesus is the reason for this season we are proclaiming that we need a savior and i don't know about you but i can tell you right now i know our nation our world needs a savior just as much today as it ever did i need a savior and i'm thankful that his name is yeshua which means God saves. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus the Christ, meaning the anointed Messiah. And if you really want to celebrate Christmas, then tell Jesus, you're my king. When God's people celebrate Christmas, we celebrate the fact that we are no longer in charge. We celebrate the fact that he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. We're no longer a slave to our selfish ambition. The Jesus that Herod missed in the manger is the king of our heart, and the heart of all of our worship is all about Jesus. I'm so glad that I pastor a church where we understand the reason for the season. Thank you, Woodland Life. Amen. It's easy, though, to get sidetracked, isn't it? We have the rush, and we have the hype, and even the heartbreak of the season. And, and as I've been speaking with people throughout this week and being in people's homes and, and those who have called, and, and there's things that are happening right now that are just heartbreaking. Jobs that um, are in the limbo and... and people who are struggling with sickness and, and, and reminders of things that they wish they could have done throughout this year or ways that they wish the family could have been whole and it's not. And, uh, it's not easy always through this season. It, it's easy to get sidetracked. It's easy to think I'm going to take control of this situation. I want to encourage you, church, when Satan seeks to move you aside, when Satan seeks to come in and, and push your heart in a direction that has nothing to do with Christ, I want you to remember that the heart of worship is all about Jesus. 
Sometimes even within the church, we have to remember that. Came in, oh, late Thursday night, and there was heartbreak here. One side of the lights was on, the other side wasn't. Lori had a stapler in her hand with sparks flying and smoke billowing. <laughs> oh, it can be the craziest things <laughs> that can move us from the focus of where it needs to be. Oh, I do believe that one day we will probably sit at that great table in our Father's mansion and look at each other and say, oh, that argument, that concern, that distraction, wasn't that silly? <laughs> oh, well, here's the thing today. In the midst of it all, we have to be careful. Because I'm telling you, because you're God's people, you are the focus of where Satan is going to try to hurt the most. Because if he can take out the church, then guess what? He's got the nation. It's a reminder of me that of a time not too long ago, it was in the 1990s, and a man by the name of Matt Redman, he found himself in his home church in Watford, and uh, he was going through, that church was actually going through a very spiritually tough time. They had grown, they were doing great. If you looked at it from the outside, it seemed like the numbers were wonderful, and a lot of young people coming to know the Lord, and, and the worship band's musical creativity was on high. They were selling albums, making new and, and influential songs for the local church there, even worldwide. And yet, Redmond said that there was a dynamic missing in the midst of it. They had gotten so uh, charged up and so focused on, you know, being, having the best of this and doing the best with that. And, and there's nothing wrong with excellence, but they had forgotten the reason why they were trying to write excellent songs. They had forgotten the reason why they were offering excellent worship services. So the pastor there did a brave thing. He, he asked his congregation, what are you bringing to God in worship when you come on Sunday mornings? I mean, what are, you, what are you really coming here for? What are you really coming here with a heart full of? He asked him, did you come here just to consume, to soak up a good message, to soak up good music? And his point was that the band and the, their church had lost their way in worship and the only solution he felt as he prayed was to strip every diversion, every distraction, and that included the entire sound system and even the worship band when they were at the top of their game. <laughs> and Matt said as he was sharing this, he said when they unplugged and just completely did away with the music, and he said, and we just sat in silence waiting on the spirit to come. He said it was awkward. He said, actually, he said, as I was there in the midst of this service with, you know, over a thousand people in this, in this building, that he said, I felt like, I just felt embarrassed. What's going on here? But he said, suddenly, in the silence, that they began to sense a Holy Spirit power that was coming upon them. And in the midst of the Holy Spirit, a song began to ring out from a voice. And together, they began to sing unaccompanied together. And prayers began to ring out in the room. And people were praying for one another. And they were praying for their community and their nation. They were praying for the Holy Spirit to rain down upon them. And this went on and on and on for quite some time until finally 
The pastor said, okay, I think the focus of our worship is back where it needs to be. In the, the middle of all of that time, in the middle of all that space, Matt Redman wrote a song. And it's a song that's a great reminder for us at Christmas. And you wouldn't normally think of it as a Christmas song. But, but when we think of it through the lens of Herod, well, it certainly is. Stand with me as we sing this song together. As we say these words and we focus our worship to Jesus, I want you to just, before we begin, just take a moment and to be silent before God. And as you are silent before God, I pray that you will just lift your hearts to Him. Whatever distraction, whatever may be going through your mind right now or your heart that has nothing to do with Christ. God, we want you to take it. We want you to be the focus of our worship this day. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come Longing just to bring something that's worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. Through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. The king of endless words, no one could express how much you deserve. And though I'm weak and all I have is yours, every single breath. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things are. You're looking into my heart And I'm coming back to the heart of worship 
And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made. When it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Let's sing that together, just our voices. We hear you, church. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we just lift our hands, our hearts to you today. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to be in this place. We thank you for the people of this church, the one beside us, in front of us, behind us. We thank you for our community and the opportunity to make a difference here. We thank you, God, that you have given a calling and a plan and a purpose to each one of us and that we find ourselves in the midst of this body, whether we're the hand or the eye or the foot or whatever we are. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to serve in that capacity. Today, we make you and we proclaim that you are our focus, you are our King of Kings, that you reign on the throne of our hearts, and dear God, I pray that it will be evident as we move beyond this room into our world. Lord, we ask for a revival, a great new awakening and spiritual just revival that would come upon us and this land, and we thank you, God, for Christmas which reminds us that all things are possible with you, God. And together we say, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's good to have you today. You glad you came to church today? Yes. Amen. It's been good to be in God's presence. Well, thank you. You are dismissed. If you'd like to speak with me, I'll be up here on the, the side of the, the stage. Love to have a time with you.
Strap. 